A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Tables, ladders, chairs. West Bromwich Albion. <laughs> West Bromwich Albion FC. Come on to the rock show. Come on to the people's show. Come on to the premiere show. Smackdown. It's the 24th of August in the year of our Lord 2000. Melanie C, I turn to you. Is number one the chart? Uh, Melanie C, the Spike Dudley of the Spice Girls Dudley clan. <laughs> Craig David's Born To Do It is the one in the UK album charts. Born To Do It, which is, of course, be a recurring joke on a comedy sketch that will outlast your career by many years. <laughs> X-Men is the number one film in the UK box office. And story time, briefly. I know this is the job of trade, but um, somebody who was trying to hook up with my mum. No. Wasn't me. Not the person who was trying to hook up. <laughs> With the WrestleMania 2000 story that we're told a few times. No, it's somebody else. And he tried to get in our good books, me and my brother, by taking us to see every film that we could possibly see uh, that were eligible to watch um, during a several-month period. So we watched X-Men, and he said, you want to go see X-Men? I was like, yeah. And we thought, well, you know, he's taking us to see X-Men. You know, We didn't say, can we go see X-Men? He must like X-Men. And it was funny because two minutes into the film, where well, I believe Wolverine is getting into some bar fight and he's this and he's that and then the claws come out and then they're like yeah he's a he's a mutant eh," and all this uh the guy like whispered me and goes is he a robot oh no so god bless him for like putting all that effort in and taking us to see that it was that um some other crap films (laughs) and the nutty professor too (laughs) oh god the clubs (laughs) (laughs) oh eddie eddie murphy mate thank you for doing coming to america too but let's not have Nutty Professor the clubs too. <laughs> Apparently, they were supposed to make a cameo in Coming to America too. What? That's what I read online. Oh, my. Release no. the clump cut. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag release the clump cut. Yeah. And in news that could only happen in the UK, uh, during the annual McTaggart Lecture at the Edinburgh International Television Festival, BBC Director General Greg Doyke announces plans to move the BBC 9 o'clock news to 10pm, ending the bulletin's third-year run in the 9pm time slot. That's moving the show known as BBC 9 o'clock news to 10pm. I haven't seen the broadcast, but God, I hope they said, hello, it's 10 p.m. Here's the 9 o'clock news. <laughs> I kind of hope they kept the name. Yeah. The 9 o'clock news at 10 p.m. Yeah. Next month. Next Monday. 
next Monday at four. Next Monday at four, the ten o'clock news. <laughs> oh, moved again. We pushed it back. <laughs> Liverpool versus Arsenal went long, so. <laughs> and the news happening this week. Uh, Matthew had his first McDonald's in over a year. What, in the first week in the year of our Lord 2000? No, in real life, the current time. Then why are we talking sure about the year to... of our Lord 2000? Do you, you, Was what, that not a good time to do it? Okay, what, what I happened the flow. To, what happened to that show? That little show called Smackdown? The answer was. to that question and more Hang on, can be found bit. on the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown review with me, What's Matthew Gregg, and that light in the dark, Tom Campbell. All right, dickhead! <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> hey, it feels right to say welcome, everyone, because today is Saturday. That's right. It is. We've moved days. Now, we are. you are hearing the Cultaholic Classic Spatdown Review on a Saturday, where the Raw review used to be. You can catch the Raw in- review on a Monday. Just swappy round, swappy round. Sorry, the admin interrupted Matthew's story about McDonald's. Contineway. Contineway? Contineway. Tell us that. Continue. <laughs> that a, I've never heard that before. Okay. I'm just I'm just saying continue whilst pronouncing the U and the E far too heavily. Oof. <laughs> well, conti- Contineway I I do. Oof. <laughs> I had Tom. So I started work at a new place just to keep my brain motivated. It's only part-time work, so there's going to be no conflict with Coldaholic or wrestling or any of the silly bollocks of my life. And during lunchtime, one of my, employee, my employees, sorry, one of my fellow employees goes, I'm going to McDonald's. Do you want anything? And I went, uh, well, you know what? Uh, sure, give me whatever you're having and I'll give you the money. Sure. They came back with a Big Mac meal and he sat down, Tom, mm-hmm. a vanilla milkshake. That's oh. right. Even with a pandemic and all those Uber Eats people hanging outside McDonald's, it's busy as hell. The milkshake machine worked. What? No! And this, Tom, was so surprising to me that I temporarily forgot that I am supposed to avoid dairy. (gasps) Oh, God. So I downed that large vanilla milkshake. Did you down it it like Stone Cold Steve Austin Towns of Budweiser? (laughs) Exactly. I smashed it over my face. It went everywhere. (laughs) Very, the, the boss was not impressed. And I could, couldn't even finish the Big Mac. So I like, had two bites of that and goes, now I'm full of vanilla and milk and shake. And then the next day, I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, oh, that's well, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a monster. <laughs> So I went into the shift yesterday and it was like an hour in and you're like, I feel really bad. And I stood up as a bit shaky. It goes, oh, there we go. There's Ronald's revenge. <laughs> so I'd just like to announce to everybody who thinks I'm this well-adjusted person who knows exactly what he's doing with life. Because I'm not uber lactose intolerant, I don't vomit or things like that. I'm just told it's best if I avoid it. Uh, I've spent the last year being good and only having non-dairy stuff like soya and oaty. Oh, Oatly's, um, what's it called? Uh, Brewster's favourite, whatever the hell it's called. It's delicious. And stuff like that. I have now successfully weaned myself off of these disgusting takeaways. And I have managed to mess myself up the three times I've attempted to eat crap food this year. So I think, like Terry Funk, 
I'm going to call this a retirement until I forget and come back weeks later. I, John, can you, no, no, can no. you Photoshop Matthew's face onto the cover of Montezuma's Revenge, please? <laughs> call it Ronald's Revenge. <laughs> you see, all this talk of, of the McDonald's, um, talking of food and stuff, I'm trying a new thing for diet purposes. So, it's looking like the world will be back to normal around June. It's, and I'm putting normal in bunny rabbit ears around June. So, a few meetings with management and stuff. We reckon that by June, we should all be in well, touching of the wood, be in a position to maybe possibly think about doing videos together. It might be sooner, it might be after. But we have, like, an idea, roughly, of what to aim for, before we can do videos together in the studio. And again, it's based on lots of factors, nothing confirmed. So, I've gone, oh, God, I've eaten myself through lockdown. <laughs> now I've got to be sat next to somebody on a camera again. And I've gone, I need, right, I've got a couple, a couple of months to try and lose some of the, the, the lockdown weight. And I'm sure a lot of people are in a similar position right now in the lockdown weight. So this week just gone, uh, all being well, as I'm talking to you, I have successfully completed my first week of intermittent fasting, which is something new that I'm trying. And it's difficult because someone like me, I just like the, the fact that as an adult, I can put cake in my mouth whenever I want to. And it's... Doing the th it's the sixteen eight rule, so don't eat for sixteen hours, and then eight hours you can. So it means I'm missing breakfast these days, and my first meal is about one o'clock in the afternoon. My last meal is just about nine o'clock. My last thing I eat is about nine o'clock, and then I go. And so far, it's gone all right. I feel lighter, weirdly feel more energized, which I didn't think would happen. First couple of days that probably didn't happen. Because first day or two, I just felt hungry and was just like, oh, this is a terrible idea. But as the week wore on, I find even first thing in the morning, I had like weirdly more energy and more uh, more pace to what I was doing. And uh, and it seems to be doing all right. I'm sure there'll be people who will message me and tell me the pros and the cons of doing it. And, you know, for me, it seems to be working all right so far. If I can get to a point where I feel a little bit better and I'm a little bit lighter when we come to sit next to each other again, then I'm all right with that. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, I'm happy of your improvement, as I am with anybody's ambitions to self-improve and become better. It's weird, though, that's phrased, I'm starving myself, Matthew, and it's great. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. It does. I, it does. It doesn't sit right, does it, to go, I'm starving. But the way I think is that I just... I got into a bit of a sedentary habit and I, and I know I've talked like not not overall over lockdown because I was going through great weeks and months where I was doing 10,000 steps for 6 a.m. And I was watching what yeah. I eat. And I must admit, since the since the ding donging of the new year, I have fallen off the rails and, and I haven't got back on the rails. So I'm doing something to kind of and, and just cutting back, on, you know, just not eating bread and pasta and other things just isn't really doing it. So I'm. It's kind of something to shock my my body into burning fat again <laughs> because I think it's forgotten how. So this is a good way of doing it. The way I kind of think of it is that I'm not putting as many calories in and I'm giving my body time to sort of detox and clear through 
the 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 garbage I fed into it. Uh, uh, far too many. You talk about you like I listen to you talk about a McDonald's and like oh I had the milkshake I could barely eat the burgers like mate I'm dipping the burger in the milkshake most of the time like that's where we're at so that oh. has got to stop <laughs> and I've got and I can't eat dairy as well but I won't be told. <laughs> I was going to say, I'd be interested because we get a lot of lovely feedback from the people who listen to this podcast, and it is amazing. Um, half of it is, you guys are stupid. I like it, which I'm <laughs> yep. absolutely flattered with. Thank you. Um, <laughs> like this, the Venn diagram of stupid crap and wrestling crap is, is wonderfully mixed up with the colonic fan base. I'm here for it. But one thing I would like to ask people, do people like avoid dairy or stuff like that? Because I am told by everybody now as an adult that, yeah, like dairy's bad. Even if you're not like supposed to be avoiding it like myself or explicitly told to, everyone else has seemed to be telling me now as an adult that, you know, no. You know that that little bit they do in Snatch where they talk about, you know, human beings have only just developed the ability to, do, to, to digest milk. You know, Bloody hell, Tommy, what have you been reading? That bit. Um, turns out that's actually there's some truth behind that. <laughs> well, we, we swapped out milk in our house for... Uh, Did you? Dynamite. No, um... <laughs> We switched it. Yeah, we swapped it with Savio Vega. <laughs> we only drink Savio Vega in this house. Um, we got rid of milk. We got rid of like your, your standard skims. Uh, we used to drink semi-skim milk years ago, and then we moved to skimmed milk because semi-skim felt heavy. And I remember I my fridge opened in a predictions video, and some and we had a few people messaging me going. You drink red top milk, i.e. skimmed milk. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry that 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 my guts take priority over your feelings over my consumption. I'm very sorry about that. But then, even for, even there, I think I'm trying to think how we got into it. Did I just get some one day just to try it? And we went, Do you know what? Let's just roll with this instead. So I haven't bought like your traditional cow's milk in months and months and months and months and months and i'm not in a mad rush to again to be honest with you i think if i ever have cow's milk it's normally if there's nothing else left in the fridge at pvc radio newcastle like i'll have something out of the fridge there but um more often than not i quite like trying the different ones i didn't know i didn't know so many legumes had teats matthew I mean, almonds and oats and cashews and hazelnuts. Didn't even know they had teats, mate. And here we are. And they're much better on, on my old tum-tum, so I'm fine with that. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is basically, Tom, I'm older. <laughs> That's right. I'm even older than the last time we spoke. Oh. I'm trying to stop this, but it's hard. <laughs> mate, time is a construct of human perception. It's fine. <laughs> I'm a clock. <laughs> oh, remember the rest of the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, like... Uh-oh, Kane's alarm just got off. <laughs> we'll get there in a second, mate. We'll be there in a minute. All right, all right. I'm sure you'll be fine. Eventually, we all run out of time. Oh, got dark at the end. Hey, I've got some bits to do in the podcast I was going to say, time may be a construct, but so is this podcast. Yeah. What is happening in the wonderful world of the wrestling universe? Well, I've got some dark stuff to drop in later. Yay. Yay. I Just a little tease for that. Some dark stuff later. That's later, later in the podcast. Uh, but for now, let's take a look at the week uh, in this particular year of our Lord of the wrestling. Matthew, very shortly, if this is the first time you're joining us, we tend to, after about 20 minutes of preamble, we tend to watch, uh, we tend to, to go through 
an episode of SmackDown. We've been doing it week by week since 1999. Uh, so Matthew is going to guide us through this week's episode, through the rigours of this week's episode, as we are standing on the precipice of SummerSlam 2000. But I'll give you a little taste of what's been happening in the wrestling news. Not loads this week, but I'll give you a little bit. Backyard wrestling is bad, Matthew. It's bad. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just so Fox News Network ran a feature on the twenty fourth on backyard wrestling, and this is all built around uh, the uh, the chap by the name of J- uh, John Nunziato from Chicago. Now he suffered a broken neck following a tombstone pile driver during a backyard wrestling match. This was a story that was reported uh, locally and regionally, and they followed this up to Fox News with a big story on backyard wrestling. Uh, Dave Meltzer says, unfortunately. The piece failed to differentiate between kids having fun wrestling in their backyard and kids doing really stupid things, imitating moves that 80% of the Major League Pro wrestlers wouldn't do anyway. Mick Foley, in the documentary, came off as a voice of reason and was strong early in on not saying that kids shouldn't have fun trying to wrestle, but they should avoid at all costs compression of the spine with moves like a tombstone pile driver or a DDT. He noted it took him 11 years from when he was wrestling in his backyard of training and doing pro wrestling before he'd even got a full-time gig with the WWF saying that kids who send tapes doing stunts to federations are not going to get a second look. Mick Foley in his autobiography uh, has lambasted this Fox News special. I believe it was this Fox News special uh, in which he was interviewed about it and shown some clips of the backyard wrestling and there was one particular clip which he was shown which was uh, two lads just doing some very basic stuff and he said it looks like fun. Uh, a clip that was used as voiceover for kids driving each other through barbed wire, taken completely out of context. Uh, he wasn't very happy at that particular point. But do you remember this documentary? Do you remember sort of a, a bit of a, a backlash, a furore, all about backyard wrestling, Matthew? I remember there being a cutback on uh, backyard wrestling, but to me, that's always been a thing. They've always said, no, backyard wrestling bad, backyard wrestling bad. Here's Mick Foley jumping off of his roof. And, mm. and clips of it airing on Raw years later, backyard wrestling is bad. So all I remember is Mick Foley's book, like you said, of him going, damn it, you took the... They edited him like a hard copy on The Simpsons. Mr. Foley, your silence only incriminates you more. No, get back, get back. Mr. Foley, Mr. Foley, no! Dramatization may not have happened. So that's all I remember from that, and I'm sure Foley was thrilled. Uh, luckily, they followed this up and never had anyone from WWE go on any of these shows ever again. <laughs> They stayed well clear of Fox, didn't they? The WWF. They certainly did. Did you, full disclosure, did you ever get involved in the world of uh, wrestling at school? Oh, yeah. But when we said wrestling, it was just, you know, in the middle of the playground, trying to hit moves on each other and finding out that the worst move you can do is not the suplex or uh, a body slam or anything like that is the stomp. (laughs) Oh, no. God, that hurts. You're on the floor and your mate kicks you. You're like, ah! I tap out of that. Well, as uh, as you know, because you were there that night, we did the, the stand-up show in, in Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, I am a former hardcore champion from my high school. We had, a, we had a hardcore division and there was a championship and it was defended 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I had it for a whole weekend. I pinned my cousin before leaving the playground at 3.15. And uh, there was a uh, there's there's been, there was infamous stories attached to it, like the story of uh, the one lad who punched a hole in the science wall. 
whilst <laughs> whilst trying to get his belt back. And it's it is stuff you do. Uh, we found out during this time as Fox was was lambasting people for backyard wrestling. Um, we were finding out that quality street tins make a really good bang and don't hurt that much when you hit <laughs> someone with it. And they do. Don't try this at home. <laughs> right. uh, also, so in the real world of wrestling, just two more bits to get to. Uh, Kevin Nash backstage at WCW having a big old kickoff this week with John Laurinaitis. So according to Dave Meltzer in The Observer, Nash and Laurinaitis had a very heated argument backstage at Nitro. Many wrestlers have been fined for being late over the past few weeks. The belief from Nash is that it was Johnny Ace's idea given to Brad Siegel for the fine. So Kevin Nash, sticking up for the boys, cut a promo on him in which he feared some could, which some feared could have even come to blows. So there's a lot of backstage negativity at WCW at this point. It hasn't been, for the better part of this year, a very happy place to work, Matthew. Someone put up on Twitter this week the story about Nash, uh, was it Bischoff trying to threaten Nash with a lack of push or something? And it was saying, look, I'll release you. You won't be able to get any work like anywhere. Um, the only place you'll be able to get the work is like Poland if I fight, <laughs> if you mess with me. And Nash, Nash's reply was, I'm really big in Poland. <laughs> It was something like that. I forget the exact thing because there's so many things where it's like, it doesn't matter what they said and did. It All it counted to was Nash said that big-ass contract. <laughs> and nothing happened. So whatever Bischoff said, or was alleged to have said, because I'm sure there's a four-hour response uh, from a podcast about what that was. Uh, but anyway, it's just basically saying to everybody that Kevin Nash is really cool. Basically, and big And sexy. <laughs> And a big and a sexy boy. Uh, Bret Hart, uh, according to The Observer, his next battery of tests is going to be in late September. There is still some hope that Bret the Hitman Hart can make a return at this point. I was trying to remember if we did indeed see Bret the Hitman Hart in a in a, in a in-ring capacity again between now and that ill-fated WrestleMania against Vince McMahon. But I don't know if we do, do we? As far as I know, no. The New Blood Rising was the last time we saw him. There was before that. There was a weird angle with him and Goldberg in the desert where Bret Hart hit him with something, and it was never spoken of again. And I think that's it. Touchwood. I think that seems to be all the things. Doesn't oh, it? he would do the WWE stuff. We'd mm. come out and go, "Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's good to <laughs> be here." Remember SummerSlam '92? Right, we're in Australia. <laughs> they can order it. Um. The trial date for the lawsuit regarding the Owen Hart death in the WWF has been postponed because all the behind-the-scenes manipulations have been going on here. It was meant to be back in February that this happened, but there's been a lot of unrest since then, and there's been a lot of back and forth between the Hart family and the WWF. Another long-term bit of misery between the Harts and the WWF at this point. Not the happiest of times. I don't know what you recall from this era. I mean, it's just the it's just the Owen Hart uh, lawsuit, isn't it? It just it carries on and on and on. Pretty much. I've got nothing to add, and nah, it's, it's horrible fine. and miserable. What else is in the news? Well, one more bit, because as I say, it was a dead quiet week on The Observer. He was doing the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame for the majority of this, and there was just a few little notes at the bottom. So what I've done is we do this every so often. I thought, you know what? We haven't done it in a while. We haven't done it in a while. Matthew, how's Brit Rest doing in the year of our Lord 2000? So... Oh, no. uh, it was just a week before this particular episode of SmackDown that we had FWA Evil Intentions 
coming out of the Northbridge Leisure Centre in Halifax. So I like to dip in every so often while you're here, Matt, and just uh, see how British wrestling is doing because it's a, a weird time. It's it's not massive. There's a couple of companies that are sort of slowly ticking away. It's a shadow of itself. There will be uh, better and worse times ahead. But let's just go through the card for FWA Evil Intentions and just anybody that, that makes you smile or laugh, just shout them out. Uh, we had... A triple threat contract on a pole match to get us started on this night in Halifax, Matthew. That's right. With Paul Travell beating Gary Haywood and Mark Sloan. Paul Travell, there's a name that seems to have dropped off the face of the earth. I think most of these names have, to be honest with you. But yeah, that is where there's two poles. One was for a contract for a match and one was for the services of a valet. <laughs> and one of the dudes in the match picked that up first and then left with a woman going, all right. You know, I'd rather have a shag than a title match. Oh, Christ. Brit Ress. <laughs> um, there are two matches in the FWA British Heavyweight Title Tournament up next. Justin Richards beating Hector Feroz and Guy Thunder defeating Joey Knight. Guy Thunder rings a bell. I was going to say he was a name that was around a lot and then wasn't. Justin... <laughs> That's a, Look, sorry the, for the, the captivating the really early 2000s. I know, God, sorry. Look, the early, really early 2000s, I'm not that familiar with. No, it, honestly, honestly. It's honestly. only because of this event got a lot of coverage in World of Wrestling magazine. Mm. Uh, one guy on this card actually got a, a, a mention for not the right reasons. Well, actually, no, for two reasons in this particular month in 2021. So in there was a special £1,000 challenge match which saw John Feltham winning over Desert Fox, Mickey Freedom, Philip Norse, and The Flatliner. The Flatliner is the name oh. which I'm going to bring up. Now, it's a mixed week for The Flatliner because in the, or a mixed month, rather, for The Flatliner. In the same month that uh, he released, alongside some other wrestlers, a charity single for the Trussell Trust. Uh, called, uh, called, called, Christ, Young, really? called Young, Strong and Wealthy. <laughs> Young, Strong and Healthy. Uh, it's a cover of, a, of, a, of an old song from German wrestling days. I remember that that We are uh, young, young, strong, strong and, and healthy. healthy. That's the one. Beautiful so, and wealthy. Yeah, have, you not heard the, have you not heard the cover? So it's Flatliner. It's Big John. Not, from... Are you asking me, have I not heard the cover? Yeah. By the Flatliner. <laughs> the Flatliner. Big Joe from Rise. Which which one? I was going to say there's 19 Big Joes. Big effing big Joe. Oh, Big effing Joe. Okay. I'm big effing Joe. Um, Bulk and Big Dave, the UK Pitbulls. Bloody hell. <laughs> and, a, and a few others. It's a, it's a smorgasbord, mate. It's amazing. I love it. We had uh, Bulk on the Cultaholic Wrestling News podcast to talk all about it. And he is a delight. An absolute delight. Uh, but then the Flatliner did a bit of damage the following week when Tony Storm... <laughs> Uh, on her Instagram said, what's next for Tony Storm? He decided in his infinite wisdom to reply with a diet. Thanks, mate. That's dickhead move from Flatliner, to which loads of fans from 2021 discovered who he was and just perceived his Instagram with nastiness. So, good. Uh, I mean, no, shocking, that. Well, <laughs> I remember, again, someone put it on Twitter as well to remind me, when someone... I don't know how it came up, but the UK fan forum back in the day, a uh, hive of villainy and scum, someone said, the flatliner is 33, and someone replied, yeah, we know how old his hips are. How old is he? <laughs> oh, Christ. Bless like, you. he looked 40 in this event. <laughs> that we're talking about now, the 2000 event. 
Uh, British Heavyweight Title Tournament continues. Hang on. Hang on a minute. Why have we got four semi-final matches? Shouldn't there be two? <laughs> I'm confused. But anyway. Oh, I sorry. Yeah, I'm talking out my ass. It's a four-way for the main event. Talking out my ass. Uh, keep that in, Tom, because it's nice when you look silly. Uh, Scotty Rock and Richard Dunford at a match. Scotty Rock won. Jorge Castano, George Castano, defeated Luz uh, Peligrosa. We know those names uh, in the tournament. They're in the final later on. Good luck, everybody. Uh, Enigma beating Ash and Curve. From oh, the new breed. Go. I'm uh, Facebook friends with Hash. How is he? He's all right. He loves Transformers. Nice. <laughs> He's also known as the guy who completely messed up the dive at the, at the uh, FWA versus Ring of Honor show, which is probably sadly the most remembered pilot of his career. Oh, bless him. Well, he didn't win here. So another, another dive. <laughs> oh, there we go. Another blinder. Uh, Frankie Capone tried and failed to become the EWW heavyweight champion. Ew. Falling to the Dominator. Hello, I'm Dominator. I like. I've heard a few episodes of Stiff Right Hand in my time. Hello, I'm Dominator. Well, Stiff Right Head. I'm just going to effing swear a lot. That's what he does. Um, and uh, the British Heavyweight Title four way goes down. Justin Richards becomes the champ. Well done, lad. Dan Severin rocks up in Halifax <laughs> to face off and defeat Michael Kovac. Dan Severin. Oh, Michael Kovac. Okay. Yeah. That would have been That would have been a great little technical encounter. That would have done. Was he NWA champ? No. not at the, Actually, to tell a lot, I, he certainly wasn't defending the title. But according to Cage Match, he... Oh, no. he No, he wasn't champion. We were between reigns at this point. This is... this is, He'd lost the title... The, the year before, after 1,479 yeah. days, he'd regain it in 2002. But we're between reigns. So the Nick Aldis of his day. He really Where people was. having to check online if he's a champ because no one's no one's sure or watching the matches. Could Nick Aldis maybe do the Dan Severinometer? Where he, yes. he's counting how close he is to beating Severin's reign. <laughs> Dave, Nick, Nick, if you listen, mate, that's all yours. And in the main event... A special match to for, for both the EWA European Junior Heavyweight title and the XPW World Heavyweight title. Sabu beats the Dirt Bike Kid in Halifax. Sabu yep. getting amongst it in Halifax in North I've Yorkshire. I've seen this match. Sorry, West Oof. Yorkshire. Is it bad? Is it bad? I mean... By the standards of the show, it's probably great, but the dirt bike. This is dirt bike kids' last match, as far as I know, and um, they have those British tables ready. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> they make them different over there in USA land. <laughs> <laughs> they make them what usable, pliant. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think the match is it, maybe it's six minutes. It's very short. <laughs> but it's already like a nine-hour show anyway. But anyway, I'll have a quick look. But yes. They brought in Sabu, the XPW champ, to take on Dirt Bike Kid. And uh, in a segment that is definitely exciting, two people listening to this going, can you please talk about SmackDown? No, but, we'll get there when we're no. ready. <laughs> but you know no, what? Even like, intentions, two seconds. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, damn it, Cage Watch doesn't have the times. Oh, well. you, you are right in the sense that this is um, Dirt Bike Kid's last match. The year before... Like, he only had two matches the year before. One of those was against the great Sasuke. 
He can yeah. pick his bookings, can't he, dirt bike kid? Bloody hell. <laughs> there you go. It's a little bit, a little bit of a flavour of pro wrestling on the British side of things. We're still at that point where we are, we are needing export or imports to uh, to headline our shows by the looks of things, and that might be the case yeah. for some time. I mean, a thousand though for this was very impressive, but the FWA wouldn't really rebound of anything at that level for quite some time until getting momentum later on. But still, it's a first first shot fired. Mm. I really liked some of the stuff the FWA did. I remember being, when I discovered it online, I remember being really fascinated by like the stories and stuff. And it, for me, the FWA was, it wasn't my first taste of wrestling in England because there were other independents that were doing that. My first taste of wrestling in England was the LOD and the UK mm. Undertaker. But like this was my first case of not only is it a, a British wrestling promotion, but it's like got storylines and characters and stuff. It felt like a proper rest, quote unquote, proper wrestling promotion. Like it was booked in such a way, and uh, that's why it was quite nice. I thought nice to talk about it today and see what they're doing. But it's good stuff. Anyway, we've talked enough about the dirt bike kid more so than we probably would have done on a smackdown podcast <laughs> or the flatliner or the flatliner or the dominator um let's go over to matthew greg who is going to talk us through this week's episode of smackdown on upn at least for the time being oh that's right everyone's favorite bit of the show matthew writing notes from a week ago and seeing if he can read his <laughs> own notes correctly <laughs> It says here, and we start with our favourite non-lugs, non-Dennis Norden, non-self-reflecting Val Venus, non-recurring Kane character, and that is the Doom Door Noise, which reminds us that Kurt Angle held Triple H beat The Rock on last week's SmackDown, even though they're in a triple threat match for Rock's title at this week's SummerSlam. Hmm. On Raw, Foley is pissed and books Kurt and Triple H versus The Acolytes. Triple H saves Kurt from a Dominator, Hello, I'm the Dominator. <laughs> He's and back! He's back! What are you doing here? <laughs> Dominator, what are you doing here? <laughs> this is what you call domination, because that is my name. It's a co- it's, it's a combination of skill and concentration. <laughs> we'll hear that later. That's exciting. And Pedigree's Bradshaw to win the match. Big hugs from both men afterwards, but they take too much time celebrating the win. And Bradshaw gets his heat back by clotheslining Angle afterwards, and the acolytes go to town on Kurt with Triple H deciding he should leave. <laughs> In the back, Kurt Angle is upset at having his butt kicked. But Triple H <laughs> says they need to focus on Lita versus Stephanie next, because The Rock is the special guest referee. The Rock attacks Kurt. Kurt tries to respond with a title belt, but Rock ducks, and Triple H takes it. Stephanie takes a spine buster as she charges to The Rock, with The Rock telling Lita to nail the moonsault and one, two, three, new women's champion. Raw goes off the air with a new champion and the crowd chanting for Lita. Wow. Mm. Nice turn of things. Really capitalising on the uh, success Lita's having, how cool she looks, uh, being not Stephanie McMahon. Wait, wait, no, those aren't Lita chants. Those are witty wee, witty woo, witty wee, witty woo. <laughs> My God, we're in Smackdown and we're in New Orleans. <laughs> Stephanie starts the show and is apparently devastated at losing her title on Raw, as is Lawler, who was so upset at poor Stephanie losing her title after bringing so much dignity to the belt. Stephanie tells the crowd she's been a fighter all her life. Everything she's accomplished, she's done by herself. Crowd boos, 
as, as Cole says, I don't think that's true. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Michael Cole. Like, it's as if they don't trust us to, to, to connect <laughs> any dots. So Michael Cole. Mike, do you know what? Michael Cole is Dennis Norden. You see, the thing is, <laughs> but he's doing it at a slightly faster pace. We can get one segment in before Dennis Norton. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie mentions that Linda McMahon hired Foley. And the crowd don't care as they chant slut. As Lola can't even repeat what they're saying. And you know if Lola is disgusted, it must be bad. So impartial Foley picked an impartial referee in, oh, I don't know, The Rock. Crowd goes, yeah. Stephanie goes, oh, sure. Cheer The Rock. So the crowd goes, yeah! <laughs> you see, Stephanie didn't want them to cheer the rock. <laughs> Stephanie insults the tattoo. No. Stephanie insults the tattooed low-life bimbo new champion as crowd chants, Lee, uh, Lee, uh. And that's enough for Stephanie, who demands a rematch tonight. Kurt Angle appears and says he has gold medals, which he treats like children, if he had children. So he understands how Stephanie feels about losing her title. <laughs> I love Kurt during this period. He's ace. He's so good. And he says, picking the rock to be impartial is like a place like New Orleans calling their team the Saints. Big booze for that. <laughs> With Lola saying, well, I've been in New Orleans. I haven't seen any Saints. <laughs> oh, God. Kurt Angle then blames Triple H too for the loss. As he's got too much of an ego and also isn't much of a husband. And that's enough. Here comes the husband. <laughs> you can type that, but you can't say it. He sumo pushes Angle out of the ring and rips his shirt off. Triple H's shirt, not Kurt Angle's shirt. But here's Rory McGrath, I mean Mick Foley, who appears. <laughs> that's nice. He's wearing an old referee Foley DIY shirt. And is reminded about the power referees have. So he wants to get Steph's respect. <laughs> and also, he's found some old medals of his. Because he knows Stephanie's attracted to men who wear them. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Crowd appreciates that. And he says they're for best dancer at age eight. And for a pint contest two years ago. <laughs> Crowd cheers for that. After those pops, he gives Stephanie that rematch tonight. In a six-man match with Angle, Triple H, Steph versus The Rock and Lita and... Oh, no, wait, that's three on two. Oh, that's not going to work. Oh, you know what, Stephanie? You can decide who you want to team up with tonight, Kurt or Triple H. Ha, ha, ha. A much better job than last week's lukewarm build. But in fairness, New Orleans has already made more noise in one segment than the entirety of last week. Oh, God, aren't they up for it this week? It's lovely to hear. For people who didn't watch or listen last week, or watch SmackDown for that matter, uh, crowd was dead. Oh, um, so dead. The Thunderdome uh, PS4 vent noise was more effective than last week. <laughs> and it was so bad, Big Foley came out before the main event and talked about booking something for Raw, which is something you never see. But they're like, we're not going to offend you. How can we offend you, you miserable get? Sat on your hands, wondering why phones aren't being invented yet. Uh, so, yeah, what did you think of this book? Interesting thought on the Thunderdome while we're here. Uh, Fastlane, the crowd chanted EST, right? Bianca Belair hasn't been in front of a large arena 
since she debuted on Raw. She debuted on Raw during the Performance Center era. So I'm keen. So is this the first time that WWE has literally, and I mean deep down literally, manufactured a chant? Yes. It is, isn't it? Just a thought. Just a thought. Uh, while you're mentioning the Thunderdome. Uh, a good segment to start. Kurt Angle is a belter. If you want to get Triple H to do anything, make him out to either be a bad husband or cucked. Right? Anytime Triple H has been offered out in a fight, if he riff and, and he'll say no, somebody will go, oh, yeah, I forgot. Your balls are in your wife's purse. And then it's on like that. It's a fight. And yeah. I wonder how far that goes. Whether you go, oh, Triple H, could you could you make me a could you make me a sandwich? Could you make me a, a, a drink and a sandwich? No, I'm not doing that. Oh yeah, I forgot. Your balls are in Stephanie's purse. Suddenly, you've got a sandwich, lovely coffee. <laughs> <laughs> that's how he, that's, that's how Steph gets him to do jobs around the house. Can you mow the lawn, Hunter? Paul, I don't know why I called you your kayfabe name. Could you mow the lawn, Paul? No, not today. I'm just gonna scratch my balls and watch uh, and look at spicy memes. Uh, Steph says, "Well, clearly your balls are in my purse." He's he's mowing the lawn in no time. <laughs> I'll get Kurt Angle to mow the lawn. Oh! <laughs> Puts on you. a shirt just so he can rip it. <laughs> He puts on a shirt just so he can immediately tear it off again. <laughs> uh, I like the segment. This was, a, this was a, a, a decent way to start it. I like the jeopardy that they have created with this particular story. Yeah, and luckily for us, they didn't go through all the jokes and stuff that they did last week and had to repeat <laughs> during the rest of the show. It's like, oh, that's pretty much it, isn't it? And from that, how else can we go forward? Oh, I don't know. Right to Sensor can show up. Yay! Yeah. On Monday Night Raw, Kane twatted Rikishi with a chair, and as Too Cool attempted to save their pal, the Right to Sensor stopped them because they want to censor Rikishi's ass. <laughs> so right now it's Rikishi who checks to see if his ass is still there. It is, and he shows it to Stephen and says he'll face this at SummerSlam. <laughs> and luckily for us, Michael Cole didn't go, well, that's because he's going to get his face and put it in his ass. <laughs> he thought about it, though. You could tell Cole thought about it. You never go ass to face, says Cole. <laughs> Rikishi says he has two friends who want to help out, and Goodfather knows them well. No, it's not too cool, or even Ted to be Arcee's foundation for people listening to the Raw podcast. It is, in fact, Victoria and her friend, The Ho. <laughs> the Ho! She doesn't have a name, does she? They're just the hoes, aren't they? No, but Victoria gets named. Oh. The other one's just an animate object. Victoria and the ho. The ho from No Mercy. This is it. Oh. <laughs> you have to it's... pay Victoria for a likeness, so just have the ho instead. Or the Godfather's ex-ladies, as uh, as they are now known. Because, they're again, the crowd are chanting, save the hoes. Rikishi's intimating the ho. Commentators can't say ho. They have to go, uh, ex-ladies. That they just want to have fun. <laughs> they just want to have fun. The ladies do. Yeah. It's like oh, Rikishi just it. wants to save that nice lady, Glaben. So <laughs> it, it's Rikishi versus Goodfather with Too Cool saving the hose from RTC's interference at ringside after one minute of action. <laughs> Rikishi lands the banzai drop to end it after two minutes, and it was such hot action. And Cole that, I mean, calls it the whole... Rikishi squash. 
Did they really try and call it the Rikishi Squash for a while? I've not heard that. Oh, that's oof. It's awful, Maybe it's isn't just, it? Yeah, that's what the script said. <laughs> it's a hot match, and by that I mean how boiling poor Godfather has to be in that shirt and trousers. <laughs> Steven tries to attack, but Rikishi turns it into a stink face attempt, but Bull saves and they leave, wringing their fists like Saturday morning cartoon villains. You may have won the battle, but the Monday Night War is far from over. Too cool. Have a little dance at the end with Rikishi, Victoria, and the Ho. And this is I. This just lit my soul up. This line on commentary just set my world on fire. Where they go, hey, too cool are looking cool. Do you know why they're looking cool? Because they're wearing lugs. And cue Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler talking excitedly about how cool too cool are now because they're wearing lugs. <laughs> it was, gosh, right, right. This bit of commentary is the the two thousand equivalent of of a YouTuber going, and this video is sponsored by NordVPN. No. <laughs> it's like, we'll be subtle. We'll make it banterful. <laughs> but it's a paid read. You know why they're cool? Not just because they're too cool, because they use NordVPN to access a different <laughs> library of Netflix titles. Everyone knows if you want to be cool, you'll go to cultaholic.com forward slash audible, choose a free wrestling book on us and subscribe to Audible for 30 days. And even if you don't want to keep Audible, you can cancel free of charge and keep the audio book that you got from us at cultaholic.com slash audible. That's the only way you'll be cool. That's right. Audible, the number one choice for ambiguously gay attitude era tag teams <laughs> who get repackaged <laughs> and suddenly love hoes. You read the same live read as me. That's right. <laughs> It's too much for them, but not too much for you. Audible. <laughs> Lugs what's for, for ears. <laughs> Lugs for ears. <laughs> Thanks, Audible. Audible. <laughs> Audible. I am, Melts I in a... your ears and not your mouth. <laughs> Melts it in your ears. Not I not I am God. a proud I am a proud user of Audible. <laughs> oh really? You oh hell so yeah. Well. I know, right? I am very subtle about it. <laughs> I do like a good audiobook because my eyes are too lazy to read. <laughs> Fair enough. Backstage, Eddie Guerrero and China are ready for TNA, which then Whoa. sets up the mixed the mixed tag match with Trish Stratus at SummerSlam. <laughs> what were you about to say, Tom, before I steamrolled over you? Uh, they're ready for TNA. I said they're about three years early, aren't they? <laughs> Eddie expositions that he wants the IC title, but he'll be very happy if China wins it. Letting us know that the winner of the fall gets the IC title. I don't recall that stipulation, but I believe them. No, they do. They do mention it during the night. Uh, Cole, Cole mentions it. Uh, they, I think it was something they set up on Raw. Oh, good. Michael Cole mentions it. Fantastic. That's his job. Fastest Western Union slam of the week. Ooh, <laughs> here comes the money because it's Shane McMahon running in and beating Steve Blackman as he's wrestling Albert. Oh, there we go. Again, alliteration is your friend, Matthew. Steve Blackman is wrestling Albert, so Shane McMahon comes in with his own referee and wins the hardcore title mid-match with help from Edging Christian. <laughs> Fantastic. They may have had one week's build, 
but this is how Steve Blackman versus Shane McMahon starts. And we are leading to something which we will discuss next week. Next week. Next Saturday, rather, to be exact. Uh, it'll be another Cultaholic Classic watch-along. Matthew, Greg, and myself are going to be watching SummerSlam 2000. You'll be able to watch along with us next week here on the podcast feed. I am Ooh. buzzing to watch SummerSlam 2000 next week. What's really nice is, like, and I feel so bad for Justin Henry from Off of America, who is... Uh, You're my, in that sentence there. Yeah, <laughs> who is my colleague from uh, the Cultaholic Classic Raw review. Like, we go into all the pay-per-views in 95 with, with deep trepidation. But we're doing these. Every time the pay-per-view rolls around, I'm, like, rubbing my hands together. I'm like, yes! SummerSlam 2000! Hook it to my veins! And it's such a different mentality. I, for one, am buzzing to watch SummerSlam 2000 with you next week. So is he. Is that your Western Union money transfer coming through from yeah, Tony Khan? Yeah, it says, Western Union, money, go fast. <laughs> Is that from Tony Khan? Did you get your weekly pay? Yeah. Yes, thanks. five whole pounds. He says, don't spend it on once. Wink emoji. Oh, thanks, Tony. <laughs> Remember how good we are. Wink. <laughs> if you put that promo I did on AW Elevation, I will have your legs cut off. <laughs> oh, okay, that wacky Tony. Does he still put a kiss at the end of your messages? Not after uh, the explosion, no. No, because he stopped putting kisses on the end of mine. I just get the uh, I just get the notification from PayPal. No, it just reminds me that he knows where I live, oh. and that that's his way of uh, keeping me on track. Western Union, <laughs> cool, great sponsors, one of my favourite. And Monday Night Raw, Val Venus still wearing white and looking weird. Attack China to keep that feud alive. <laughs> Venus is again wearing white and again has no pop. Very consistent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Labor Day. Uh, <laughs> sorry, you don't wear a white. Oh no, God, I'm so alone. <laughs> That's right, I am like Labor Day. Labor is in hard work. <laughs> <laughs> Some say I'm Labor, when the true answer is I'm just difficult. <laughs> Do you ever meet some? Are there labor? The thing women would rather go through than speak to me. <laughs> Do you have goodbye? In your push. <laughs> Hello, Sunday night heat. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Do you have someone in your life? You don't have to say their name, but. When they when they come up on your phone, you just go, "Oh God." <laughs> no comment. Good. Me too. And I get <laughs> Val Venus. I think is that in this little universe we've created? <laughs> oh, Val Venus is definitely the person in our universe. Maybe not in real life, because he sucks in real life. But Val Venus in our universe is definitely the person who sends you a message going, "Hey, how are you?" And you're like, "Oh." Oh God, yeah, and you just go. I don't want to click it because then you'll know I've read it. Like I'll just, <laughs> yeah. I'll just, I have to. Just, I'm just going to clear the notification so I don't keep seeing it when I turn my phone on. Mm. And <laughs> that's Val Venus. <laughs> Val Venus is the guy that when the phone rings, you just you quietly put the phone under a pillow and go and do something else. <laughs> no, sorry, I missed your call. Yeah, they're like. What are you up to? I'm like, oh, I'm doing this, this, and this. And you say, what are you up to? And they're like, nothing. And Val, then that's it. There'll Val be no reply Venus. until you say something. Val Venus is the person that when the world's back to normal, you'll walk through town and you'll see them 
on the other side of the road walking towards you and you will keep your head in and you will and you'll get out your phone and you'll start doing nothing on your phone praying to god that he hasn't clocked you either <laughs> and then as soon as you get away from him thinking is it safe to look up now <laughs> oh oh god i won't say who they are but years ago years ago this something like this happened and i'll put my hands up this happened to me so i'm at a train station waiting for my train phone number comes up i'm like oh no I, i've had a long day i had some bad news that day i'm like oh I've had a long day i don't want to talk to him so i remember looking at my phone put my phone in my pocket and then a text message comes through <laughs> and he's and it's a photo that he's taken because he's on the train coming through the station <laughs> and he's taken a photo of me on the platform which means he would have watched me look at my phone roll my eyes and put my phone in my top pocket <laughs> I later excused it by saying, really sorry, mate. I didn't have your number saved. Which explains the not answering and putting it in your pocket. But I know for a fact, it does not explain the rolling my eyes. <laughs> See, I, can't, I can't beat that, Tom. Even I'm an arsehole sometimes. I think that's worth knowing. <laughs> not we're human beings. Yeah. I was going, look, mate, I was on a rough day. What's up? See, you're honest like that. I'm not. I just... <laughs> no, you, you, you do the faulty towers thing. Getting, <laughs> you tell one lie to cover up another lie, and then they'll say something. You have to lie again, and it's like, oh, it's just a house of cards, Tom. <laughs> it really is. It really is. You, do you still talk with that person? On and off. He's doing fine now, though. He's, he's hosting a chat show in America. Um... <laughs> Even on a budget... Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Blackman, China, and Eddie are teaming up to take on 
T N A N V. They call themselves the VATs. <laughs> the value added tax. No, the VATs is in the ones in Fallout where if you get thrown in, something bad happens to you. Like all these men's pushes. <laughs> Uh, Shane McMahon is shown watching the match backstage wearing the hardcore title and Foley shows up to let him know he has removed the 24-7 title stipulation before the pay-per-view so Shane can't conveniently lose it to get out of wrestling Blackman. Nice. Shane is not happy. Venus gets smacked around by China until blah blah blah. It all breaks down with China getting distracted by no-selling Albert instead of no-selling Venus. So <laughs> Venus uses Steve Blackman's nunchucks but misses and hits Test and probably breaks his nose again to end a big, fat, regretful takeaway from the night before of a match. <laughs> I remember writing that. That's before McDonald's. Bloody hell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Again, it is amazing. Jen has this ability to make everyone she wrestles suddenly wrestle at 30% less accuracy than they did with wrestling anybody else. But then again, it's Val Venus wearing white. <laughs> it's just our friend Val, our new best friend Val Venus. <laughs> The guy that no one wants to make eye contact with on the bus. Self-reflecting, pathetic Venus. <laughs> He's the guy that you'd sit next to him on the bus, and he'd go, "Have you got the? Have you? Have you got the time, please?" And you'd say, "Oh yeah, it's 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 eleven thirty. And he'd go, oh, "Okay, I've got a got a job interview to get to <laughs> and you're like mate i don't care you just asked me the time i've answered the question we're not mates he's a guy where you put on your earphones <laughs> yes and he still talks to you you put your earphones on knowing full well that they're bluetooth and the battery died an hour ago <laughs> <laughs> i feel really bad but it's true it's fine. It's Val Venus. No, it's fine. It's Val. It's In fine. real life, he's an... Oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> Kurt Angle talks with Stephanie about how her husband is enraged. So Kurt... <laughs> he wants Angle in a cage. Oh, no. <laughs> he's going to do the Wrestle Rock Rumble. <laughs> so Kurt Angle... With my wife, up. he wants to fumble, so I'll beat him up in the Wrestle Rock Rumble. <laughs> My name's Kurt, he's Triple H. I've got medals, kiss my face. <laughs> if, I can't, if I can't have his wife, I'll meet someone on Bumble. Until then, I'll do the Wrestle Rock Rumble. <laughs> okay. Steph, I need help <laughs> on N64 classic book Bumble. Or if I can't beat it, I won't be able to compete in the Wrestle Rock Rumble. <laughs> book Bumble. It's been a while since we had a Steph. Bloody hell. <laughs> Taz is outside Lola's car, which, has, which he has sprayed thug life, just another victim, and cock piss partridge <laughs> all over John John can you can you scrub out some of the graffiti and replace it with cock piss partridge please or just have Taz next to Alan Partridge's cock piss partridge <laughs> that car 
That's nice. Hey, Lola! Cockpissed Lola! You feed burgers to swans, Lola! Anyway. Who's the best lord? The dance, <laughs> the rings, or the flies? Ring 1-800-JUST-ANOTHER-VICTIM. <laughs> give me an album! Look at- Hey, Lola! You're facing me at SummerSlam! Look it up in your contract! <laughs> Everything's a joke to you, huh? Taz reveals Jim Ross is in the car for some reason. Just sat there. <laughs> Jim, Jim Ross does a sensible thing and locks himself in. So Taz... <laughs> As opposed to leaving, he locks yeah. himself in. So Taz smashes the front window and Lola runs to save. Ross is bleeding and Taz attacks Lola as he checks on him. It's a weird feud so far. I mean, why is Taz feuding with commentators? But the build has been suitably violent. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Tom? I, do you know what? Yeah, all jokes aside, um, some of this was quite funny. Unintentionally so, like Taz and Jerry Lawler trying to have a conversation whilst Taz is outside and Lawler's in the building. Like, Jerry's trying to talk to him, but Taz can't hear him. And, like, Taz is leading in to go, What'd you say, Lola? I can't hear you. And eventually, Jerry grabs the microphone. I think, like, he was meant to much earlier to address Taz. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why JR just didn't move seats. <laughs> why he insisted on sitting in the passenger seat all the time. He sits so still. Like, there's you don't sense any struggle from him, which makes it really weird. Like, he just sits really still. Fact the whole thing, like an NPC with no animation. And eventually he gets his, obviously his face smashed in, chose the wrong day to wear white, bloody mess, his JR. Even Michael Cole says he's a bloody mess, which is a JR line, which I like a lot. Um, I don't mind the build to this. It's funny because on the classic Raw review at the moment, we're in 1995, me and Justin, and we are building to Bret Hart versus Jerry Lawler in the Kiss My Foot match. And Lawler on commentary is such a captivating heel in '95. Like him mm. and him and Brett are having some great, some great dust ups. They had one on Raw this past week, which we talked about, where it just where Brett comes down. Like Brett's sick of hearing Lawler trashing him on the commentary, and he comes to the desk to have a word, and it gets heated. And and even five years on from that, Lawler's good here. Like you, there's a lot. There's a lot that can be said about Jerry Lawler. Not all good, but he's good here. He certainly is. He's Jerry Lawler. He's respected. The crowd love him, even though it is weird. He's like, oh, I better save my friend and commentary buddy. It's like, yeah, it's Lawler though, mm. and he can't do any of the Bret Hart lines on him. Sadly, <laughs> it no. would be great if I was doing the thing. <laughs> hey, Taz, Taz, what's that, Lawler? I heard in your passport photo you can see your feet. I mean, would we like it more or less if he was dropping the lines like that? <laughs> That's the question. Yeah, you know what? I'd be complaining. It's like, how dare they make Taz look silly <laughs> as he's feuding with Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. <laughs> They're doing a fantastic job without having to do that. Yeah. I'm not sure where Taz goes on from here. Does he take on Kevin Kelly at Unforgiven? Oh, it'd be great if he just ran the gauntlet of, of, of announcer types. <laughs> I'm going to prove I'm the best by taking on Jonathan Coachman. <laughs> hey, <All> coach! Right. <laughs> You'll be riding coach when I'm done with you. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Up next, Jericho is here to team with the Hardys to take on Benoit and Edge and Christian, a.k.a. Shane O'Mates. <laughs> They're not calling them the conspiracy anymore. They're just Shane O'Mates. There is no conspiracy, Tom. Oh. Which means there's a conspiracy. Ah, Aha, see? So that's the end of the conspiracy faction. It's already done. They've already binned it. Yeah. They tried, didn't really roll. They've, they've moved on to Shano mates. They didn't, because Big Show's... Um... Where is Big Show? Well, he is... <laughs> well... Currently... Um, he's injured, isn't he? Because um, didn't Shane... He take... just came back. Oh, wait, he just came back, didn't he? That's a really good question. Big Show. I'm going to look this up live. Why do you do that? Big Show go? I'll talk about this match. Jericho impersonates Benoit's monotone promo style and points out Benoit has interfered in every match Jericho has had this past month. So he'll fight Jericho. He'll fight Benoit in the ring, in the back, on a boat, with a goat, when the score is tied, or with Benoit as a blushing bride, when he's taking a quiz, or as a total jackass that he is. He'll fight him any day, because he's Y2J. And as he's saying this, there's relevant photoshops on screen as they happen, or as we called them in 2000, MS Paints. <laughs> They're certainly not memes. No, no, for sure. And crowd cheers, because these were a novelty back then. Benoit comes out and calls Jericho a funny guy. But his wit and humour and funny photos aren't going to help him on Sunday. Benoit is funny too. Here's an image he found funny. It's Jericho passed out from the crossface. Hey. Benoit laugh. See, the dumb Photoshop stuff is still around today, but they missed the key bit of the bad guy coming out and saying, that's funny, I'm going to kill you. Instead of them coming out like they usually do, going, ooh, that annoyed me, ooh, you, you and your hacked copy of Photoshop, ooh, I'll get you. Uh, anyway, Jericho isn't impressed with Benoit's image because, as he points out, Benoit didn't even rhyme. Oh, wait, the six man is later. <laughs> this was the build-up to the match we're going to have later on. Oh, okay, it's a bit weird, but you know what? I'll take it. I think because we're so used to now, like, a promo and stuff running on into the match. Like, that happens a lot on Monday Night Raw, where we have, like, a promo hyping the match immediately followed by the match in question. Whereas right. this sort of spreads it out a little bit. All right, and they can't really have Jericho doing the MS Paint stuff with, like, the Hardys going, yeah, mm. yeah, that, that one's funny. That one's funny. Oh, he's a goat in that one. All right, cool. Mm. Cool. Uh, incidentally, just to update you, um, we don't know this because it happened on Raw, which is why we're not talking about it. Um, Big Show got thrown off the stage by The Undertaker at the start of the month on Raw, which is why we haven't seen him. Um, so basically... Wait a minute, wait a minute. His big comeback was turning on The Undertaker, chokes something came through the thing. And now he's gone. Gone again. After the Undertaker <laughs> threw Big Show off a stage through a table. Uh, now, the reason being is because he's come back and they've gone, oh, mate, you're still fat. And <laughs> for the rest of this year, he's done. He pops up in OVW for the end of this year. And this is where we have the Big Show Ohio Valley wrestling time. Uh, he's there to lose weight, improve his cardio. And he's pretty miserable at this point, is, is Paul White. He's not a happy camper. He's The weight has fluctuated quite a bit. And in... A lot. He's upset. People really want Paul White to do well at this point. They really want him to come through. But there is a level of immaturity, and and Paul White has said this himself. There's a level of immaturity that comes from this particular run because he's 
he got thrust into the, the, the top of the card at WCW so soon, long before he was ready. He was hired by the WWF and put straight into a main story long before he was ready. Uh, he was a cautionary tale of how these companies will hire a big lad and hope for the and expect the world from them. On Raw at the moment, there's Omos, AJ Styles' bodyguard. Very impressive, but you can tell they are taking baby steps with him. I think had had someone like Omos come along in 1999 or 2000, he'd immediately been fighting Austin or Triple H and it would have shown them up. Whereas he's in a position where he's hanging out with AJ Styles on a week-to-week basis, so he's got somebody that he can lean towards. And there's this, his first match is happening at WrestleMania and you know he's going to be very protected and his role is going to be very limited. And they're, just, they're being very cautious with Omar. So I think they see a lot of promise in him, but they don't want to make the same mistakes that they made with Big Show around about this time where... They expect lots from him, and he's not really in a position to give lots, if you see what I mean. I'm too busy laughing because I, didn't, I wasn't even aware of this, that he came back for two weeks. <laughs> and then suddenly when they went, wait, what, what do you mean? You said you'd lost weight. He goes, yeah. Was, from where? He goes, look at this haircut. <laughs> and then I just... Ah! <laughs> and then weirdly enough, his return in the Rumble would see him choke Simon Kane through the stage again. Mm-hmm. He well, loves it, doesn't he? Yeah. He loves a good choke slam through the stage. Every time he does that, he should do ten push-ups. There we go. <laughs> Be middle one. middle show in no time. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Middle X-Pac apologizes to Road Dog. It was a mistake on Raw, and we'll get to that. And they have to deal with the Undertaker tonight, so let's all work together. Oh my god, here's the Undertaker driving through the corridor on his motorcycle like the Fonz. Hey. I'm not doing Jerry Lola calls Taz a piece of crap. <laughs> Speaking of <laughs> Hey Lola <laughs> Cock piss <laughs> Speaking of pieces of crap, we get a recap of Kane. Choke slamming Undertaker through the ring because he is a monster. <laughs> so here's Undertaker getting ready for Kane by taking on two of Kane's favourites, the Road Dog and X Pac. And here we go, we get a recap. <laughs> get a recap on Raw. Only in wrestling with these situations happen. X Pac accidentally pushing Road Dog off the apron and through a table. <laughs> I remember the fall was quite a comedic one as well. Like Road Dog's whole body was wobbling as he hit the ground. <laughs> You know what, Tom? After reviewing the footage and seeing his apology, I I I agree with X Park. I think this was a mistake. <laughs> X Park spits on Undertaker's bike on the way to the ring. That's just so, grim. Yeah. Uh, so Undertaker is extra mad, and if you don't <laughs> believe me, look out his brand new shirt that he's wearing. And after several minutes of battering, DX managed to get the advantage for thirty seconds before Undertaker makes a comeback. And Roto goes, oh, screw this, and leaves X-Pac to take the last ride. <laughs> eh, did the job. We got a little matching those two at SummerSlam uh, boiling up. We can Road say that. We, yeah, we can so. say that. We can say that here because this is the the last stop before SummerSlam. They do make the match between now oh, and SummerSlam. Oh, okay. Oh, also, Kane and Undertaker. Yeah, how can we forget? <laughs> of course. Triple H backstage is mad that Stephanie is thinking of having Kurt as a partner. That was it. <laughs> WWF Smackdown your vote this November. Oof, less said the better. <laughs> hey, it's an impartial 
bit impartial. Of That's right. And there's the what thirty million people watching SmackDown or whatever bloody number they pick out the air. <laughs> As opposed to last year, where it was don't smack down your vote. <laughs> yes. Hmm. Anyway, Perry and Terry are here because Perry and Al Snow have had such great chemistry that they should have more matches. <laughs> Terry is dressed quite conservative compared to normal. Yes. Less skanky this week. <laughs> Damn you, RTC. <laughs> if, if my grandma wishes to get her, get her nerps off the lads. <laughs> anyway. I'm here for it. See, Terry's someone who doesn't... She's not old, but the fact that she's got all that surgery, she looks old because she has the, I'm old, but I'm trying not to look old. She looks much older than she actually is, yeah. Yeah, because she's had work done. It's weird. Perry takes a bunch of moves whilst holding the European title before dropping it and Al Snow wearing it for a bit while Perry knocks him around as the referee doesn't care enough about the European title to enforce anything like, oh, I don't know, the rules. Yeah. And it doesn't matter because this is just a backdrop to the thong stink face match at SummerSlam between Terry and the cat. Because that's how they did it in the last battle of Atlanta. I don't know which Jerry Lawler reacted more more passionately to. Saving JR whilst his face was bleeding out. Or the possibility of a thong stink face match. Yeah. Sponsored by the PTC did nothing wrong. <laughs> Perry dives to the outside as Lola says Perry had one eye on Al and another on Terry. Oh, it's funny because his eyes are weird. Al calls for head. <laughs> After a moonsault, but Terry interferes uh, and she does this as well as she wrestles, but she's able to distract long enough for the rings of Saturn to end it. If Al Snow was on fire, no one in the crowd would notice. <laughs> there was two bits of commentary during this. That, that, that caught my ear. And it's all about the road to, Summer, to SummerSlam. So the thong stink face match, that's that's happening. That's a thing. But also Jerry Lawler plugs Radio WWF on Westwood One. So we're getting a short burst of Radio WWF. And I, is this the one where they where The Rock and Mick Foley do a show from the, from from WWF New York and they sing Smackdown Hotel? I can't help but feel like this might be the one. I don't remember. I seem to remember there was one. But they also <clears throat> they also plug that this coming weekend, Jerry Lawler's going to be on Radio WWF talking about a charity event happening on the Saturday, the WWF Superstars versus Michael Bolton's softball team. The Bolton Bombers. Bolton's Bombers. <laughs> This is this is a real thing. Michael Bolton has a softball team. And this is complete news to me. He did charity softball games with them from like 1995 onwards. And I think overall they had 53 games did this charity team. And there are some, if you search Bolton's Bombers online, there are some gorgeous photos of the man who sang, How Am I Supposed to Live Without You? And how can we be lovers if we can't be friends? And if you're a fan of Teen Titans, upbeat inspirational song about life. In his Bolton's Bombers softball outfit, with the most gorgeous free-flowing mullet cascading behind him. <laughs> These are beautifully 90s photos. Now, 
Did, did he have the mullet for the 2000 charity softball game? I highly doubt it, but they are something to behold. Today I learned Michael Bolton had a charity softball team. Amazing. I hope we get the dream match of the Bolton Bombers taking on the Sid and the Vicious, or his team. <laughs> Sid's Viciousness. Sid. Sid, yeah. Imagine Sid. Sid being... scissors. <laughs> Sid sponges. Imagine, um, <laughs> imagine, imagine Sid being in the WWF at this point, and um, he gets he gets a phone call, ring, ring. Hello, hi, it's Vince. Hi, Vince. Yeah, do you want to play a charity softball game, SummerSlam weekend? Yeah, yeah, sure. Sign me up. Okay, I'll put you down. Bye, bye. Puts the phone down. Immediately picks it back up. Do 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 do. Hello, Vince McMahon. Hi, Vince. It's Sid. Uh, I can't make SummerSlam this weekend. I'm doing a softball. <laughs> it's the one I just booked you for. <laughs> I've got that crippling injury that comes around every six months. <laughs> I've got that terrible arsehole injury that I can't shift every six months. My piss will turn dodgy <laughs> mysteriously around this time. Why is that? Uh. More sports news next, isn't it, Matthew? Yes, I just skipped it though. No, we've got to talk oh, about no. it. We're covering SmackDown. We have to. But get I mean, into like, what's it? What we're going to say? The XFL is a thing. Okay, uh, the XFL. You, you go ahead, Tom. Go ahead. Right, the official names of the XFL teams that are launching the the inaugural season. Uh, the official teams, by the way, which I'll make a note of here, which is the New York New Jersey Hitmen. And that right, so Dave Meltzer has written this up and he's put in little brackets kind of who they're named after or at least what he thinks and it's a weird insight into the oh, mind of Dave. Oh, no. God, so, here we go. I can see this coming from a mile away. Go on, Tom. Okay, it's written as follows. The New York slash New Jersey hitmen, brackets, Brett. <laughs> you see. Um, Orlando Rage, Memphis Maniacs, San Jose Demons, brackets, my God, they named a team after Dale Torborg. <laughs> okay, okay, that, that's, a, that's a joke from Meltz. I mean, he was, he was actually it's hard, it's capable hard of humour back then. Uh, I don't know if he was. thing, is that a joke? I don't know. The Los Angeles Extreme, brackets, ECW. Uh-huh. Las Vegas Outlaws, brackets, oh, you didn't know. The Chicago Enforcers, brackets, double A. And the... Oh. <laughs> the Birmingham Thunderbolts, brackets, Patterson. Thunderbolt Patterson. Jesus wept. It's a the joke. finger on the pulse of... Oh, it is a joke. Okay, cool. No, 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 no. I'm saying if it is a joke, this is literally a joke designed for an audience of one. Which is Dave Meltzer. I just like to think of Dave writing this and just chuckling to himself. Like, it'd be like if we wrote The Observer... And we get to a point where we just start bursting out into a Dennis Norton impression. Like, we're just doing it for our own amusement. Yeah. <laughs> See, the thing is, Dave was capable of humour 20 years ago. Mm. The nowadays Dave that you hear and see and read on and get annoyed at on Twitter is is a different beast entirely. He's he, this is The current one we've got now is Dave Beltsico, I am a monster, you know. Because uh, uh, monsters are typically incapable of emotion. Uh, uh. So, so Dave that Meltzer really needed the... Justin Henry's uh, impression, really. Sorry about that. But my point is, he at least was trying to do humour. And he did, you know, back in the day, have little things like, oh, here comes the junk food dog. You see, it's funny because uh, he's put a bit of weight on. 
Yeah, nowadays you'd be like, well, I called him that because of his fatness. <laughs> Dave Meltzer is The Simpsons. <laughs> Back in the day, funny and quite and quite observant today, just going through the motions. <laughs> yeah, now painfully awkward. <laughs> now the final the, team... The Memphis painfully awkward, named after Meltzer. <laughs> the final team, there's a bit of a, a weird story, a bit of a dark story behind it, the Birmingham Thunderbolts. Named after Patterson, apparently. No, they're not. I love it. Um, Thunderbolt Patterson. Now the, I kept thinking, was that part of Billy Joel's "We Didn't Start the Fire"? Thunderbolt Patterson. <laughs> it, it might be. Um, the Birmingham team was supposed to be called Birmingham Blast, right? The word got to WWF of the 1963 bombing in Birmingham, which which led to a fair amount of death and. It was a very well-known story within that community of Birmingham. Not so much the greater world. WWF had no idea. They were about to... They they had mentioned to the club, we're going to call you the Birmingham Blast. And they went, uh, do you mind if you don't because of this? And they went, oh, okay, we'll do Thunderbolts. So there's a little story behind what it was meant to be called and why it's the Thunderbolts. And they went, oh, do you know God, what you so love? Sorry. Pat Patterson. We're so sorry, Birmingham, for naming that after you. I'm sorry. We'll read it. The Birmingham Bombers. It's like, no, 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 don't, no. The Birmingham Explosions. Well? Yeah. The Birmingham Kaboom. Like, <laughs> no, you're not helping. Oh, all right. Uh, also, some more XFL news. This week in the wrestling world, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler had a tryout to be XFL announcers. <laughs> so the Observer says, from a few reports, they had a very strong tryout, but it is considered highly unlikely they'll be getting the job, as they already as as they are already in negotiations with announcers for the league, and neither have been called back. Apparently, NBC wasn't comfortable about using them because of all the suspicions that the games would have. People believed at NBC that if Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler are calling these slobber knocker XFL matches, people will think that it's a work, essentially. And uh, also, they don't like they don't like how associated they are with pro wrestling. It's almost like there was a brief moment where XFL were like, "We don't want to be compared to pro wrestling," but at the same time, there's The Rock on our opening day. <laughs> I love that though. Yeah, well, they're so closely associated with wrestling. We don't want people watching this and thinking it's a fake or shenanigans. Cool. They eventually went with Jesse Ventura. <laughs> exactly. Silly buggers. Wrestling. I'm now Jesse. I'm now Jesse. The Birmingham Explosion Ventura. <laughs> the Birmingham Tragedy. 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 Oh God, I forgot how to say tragedy. This is like this is like the New Generation podcast all of a sudden. Oh, there's, a, throw, there's a throwback there. Well done, lad. Well done. Thank you. Christian tells New Orleans people that they know they're all putting down their fried alligator legs to get their cameras ready, but tonight. There will be no five-second pose, because unlike Ricky Williams, we won't drop the ball this Sunday. Big booze for this local sport reference. I assume Ricky Williams dropped a ball somewhat, <laughs> because Edge says in the tables, ladders, and chairs. Oh my! Match. <laughs> local hero. <laughs> <laughs> Call somebody. <laughs> They'll win and then unleash the force. <laughs> we'll try again. Tables, ladders, chairs. Hose! <laughs> T- 
tables, ladders, chairs, Penn State. <laughs> tables, ladders, chairs, defense. <laughs> oh, sorry, that's AEW. <laughs> They'll win and unleash the might of the 30-second pose. <laughs> tables, ladders, chairs, West Bromwich champion. <laughs> West Bromwich champion, FC. <laughs> Tables, ladders, chairs. We lose every week. We lose every week. How bad are you? We lose every week. Is the six-man match building hype for the two big dark matches at SummerSlam? Lots of Canadian violence here, ending after Hardy's land air Sabu, and then Jericho gets the lion salt. But it's not about the match itself. As post-match, Matt tries to take out Edge with a ladder, but Edge ducks and Christian Chess shots him in a peanut butter smooth spot. Mm-hmm. Obviously, smooth peanut butter, not crunchy peanut butter. Or that analogy does not work. The duds then show up and what's up? Christian's balls. Oh, well, at least it wasn't his face. Oh, <laughs> never mind. Uh, Matt takes out the others by diving off a ladder to the outside and Benoit and Jericho put one another through a table by crashing off the top rope together. Canadian Chaos, who coincidentally also have an XFL franchise building. <laughs> good match. Good six-man yeah. stuff here. Really liked it. Yeah, which is good for the viewers of SmackDown, but bad for us, who are here to rant and ramble about complete crap. <laughs> Triple H and Kurt talk like men, but Steph stops them because... Uh, you know what? I... I, I she can't make a decision. So she says she's going to flip a coin. That's the way to do it. Yeah. In, in, inspired by that, Matthew, by Stephanie deciding to put the fate of her tag partner on the flip of a coin, I have compiled a list of the three most significant historical coin flips in history. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And these are all true. This isn't me talking a bullshine. This is true. Three very historically significant coin flips, okay? Number three, uh, in Portland, Oregon, the two founders of Portland, which was then called The Clearing, both wanted the right to name it. A coin flip determined who would name it out of pioneers Asa Lovejoy and Francis Pettigrove. It would be Pettigrove that would win, naming it Portland. The rest is history. A Portland penny comes from that story. That's number three. Number two. Wilbur Wright won the chance to make history when he did a coin toss with his brother to determine who would fly the first flight on their very first plane. So it was Orville and Wilbur. Wilbur won the coin toss. He celebrated this by ditching the thing almost immediately. And they had to spend several months fixing it again. And this is this one's this one's dark. I did warn there was some dark stuff coming, right? Oh, I think go on. Do you know this one? You might do, you might do. So, Is it the day the music died? Possibly. Uh, as legend has it, Richie Valens, or Tommy Allsup, who was a guitarist in the, in the band of Buddy Holly. Yeah, there we go. Both wanted a seat on Buddy Holly's plane. They flipped a coin to determine who would get it. Yeah. Valens won the coin toss, and we know what happened from there. Yeah. That's, I'm, I'm, that's, leave the, your entire life. Left to the chance of a flip of a coin. Told you it'd get dark. I was just really intrigued by that. I was going to say, bloody, what a dark episode. I was going to yeah. go with, because of this 
because of the coin flip, Luger took on Yokozuna <laughs> first. At oh, yeah, I forgot about that coin flip. That also very significant. The coin flip to determine who would... Okay, we'll touch on this. We talked about it on the Classic Raw review. Um, the coin flip to determine who would face Luger first ahead of WrestleMania 10 between Bret Hart and Lex Luger. Luger won the coin toss, which meant he went first. And Luger was ecstatic about this, proving once and for all that Lex Luger is an idiot. Because surely you'd want to face the champ second when they're knackered. Why would you want to be first and then have to defend the belt twice? It's true, isn't it? Well... Luger was never uh, a clever individual. <laughs> he still thinks he beat Yoko for the title at SummerSlam 93. So <laughs> That he does, my friend. That he does. It's quite grim, isn't it? Talk about all that death and misery and then, <laughs> Luger. <laughs> Lulz. And now we go, changing gears once more. Clunk, clunk. The Rock, backstage with Kevin Kelly. <laughs> Yay! My mate, Kevin. <laughs> Yeah. How appropriate we're here in the Big Easy with Steph. Who is the Big Easy, says The Rock. The Rock has boiled his crawfish and has been sucking on the head. <laughs> hey, 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 we do the Venus puns. <laughs> the Rock, you know, you shouldn't say things like that. <sighs> Some of us can't afford crawfish. <laughs> oh, wait, I just got it sucking on the head. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Rock. <laughs> it's like penis. Sorry, Rock, go on. I'll leave quietly now. Rock uh, doesn't. Uh, the thing is, Val's saying that, but Rock doesn't stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, he gets louder. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't even make eye contact with Val. Yeah, I'd like to add that he sees his, his, his mouth starting to go, and that's when he starts talking. Yeah, he waits for Val Venus to start saying, Yeah, but Stephanie, don't pick who you like the most, pick who you like the least, because the Rock's going to kick his monkey ass all over this arena tonight. Yeah, that's a good point, Rock. But so you do jabronis can go sip on your own heads. And the Rock is sure he's gonna win tonight as he is as he's sure he's gonna win at SummerSlam. And as sure he is that Ug Kelly is an ugly Hermy. Smell la 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 But looks at Valvinus. See the thing is what the rock is cooking. Val goes to high five him as he leaves. Rock just walks straight past, and Val like changes it to scratching the back of his head. Yeah, yeah, like he was going to do that. Swinging my arms around, you know, just getting worked up for my um, my dark show main event against Just Joe. (laughs) Stephanie flips a coin. The Kurt. With Kurt offering to flip his Olympic medal. <laughs> I love Kurt. has to be talking about his medals all the time. Anyway, it's tails. Kurt gets it. They should have flipped lugs, boots with heat instead. Because <laughs> anyway, it lands, it's heat. Could you imagine if they were if, <laughs> if Steph said, "I'm gonna flip a lug." <laughs> Determined, John. What was that look like? Flip a lug. Just throws a shoe in the air. What's and it hits the ground. Kudunk. So, what's that mean? I don't know. I didn't determine. Flipping a lug is a British colloquialism meaning my mum is not pleased. (laughs) Hey, hey! I'll tell you what. We've got to finish soon because my mum's going to be flipping a lug. I said I'd call her. And the heat lug flip moment of the week is Rock nailing everybody on Raw. If you lug, 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 lug,
I actually typed that. Jesus. What I love is... He says, look, 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 look. What I love is that uh, Math, Math writes his notes for this podcast, then seems to have amnesia. And <laughs> so you're reading them like you're reading it for the very first time. It's great, though, because I go, oh, that's good. Who wrote that? Oh, well, well done, me. Every, every day is memento for my food. <laughs> memento, Greg. <laughs> oh, hello, Tom. Meeting you for the first time. <laughs> Lita is here with her weird non-Essay Rios, non-Hardy Boys theme and the women's title. Oh, and The Rock. Crowd is hot. as Yes, looks hot. As Lita and Steph brawl. But as it gets settled, Steph gets bonked and lands face first on the apron. Triple H runs out to check on her and takes her to the back. As Steph is getting checked on by the EMTs, Triple H vows to help Kurt. As we cut back to The Rock, pounding away on Kurt. Yeah, much help there. Triple H attacks The Rock and causes a DQ. The Rock gets attacked. Lita gets attacked. The Hardy Boys show up to take on Kurt and Triple H, bloody hell, helping Rock to come back and send Kurt out of the ring. And then everyone gangs up on Triple H. So, in payback for last week, Kurt leaves them to it. (laughs) So, that match was relevant. Here's the important bit. Kurt goes to check on Stephanie as she's on a couch, trying to remember where she is, and he apologises and hugs her. He's so very sorry. And then they kiss. With with Steph protesting at first, and then getting into it. That's right. She gets her lugs out for the lads. (laughs) Do you the want show some, um... ends with Stephanie being like, oh no, what have I done? Like the end of the Dam Busters. And Kurt being like, hello, Steph. <clears throat> Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want some behind the kiss stuff? Behind the kiss? Behind some, some details behind the kiss. Is it some kiss. teeth and a tongue? Oh, go on. <laughs> no tongue. I'll explain why. Uh, Kurt Angle talked about this recently on, I believe, on his podcast with uh, Conrad. And he said he found the whole kiss with Stephanie one of the most incredibly nerve-wracking things he's done. And he won a gold medal with a broken friggin' neck. (laughs) Um, He says, right, so Vince McMahon was directing this segment. Oh, no. And Vince instructed Kurt to kiss his daughter, right? But Kurt... And, and Vince was like, Vince was, you know, Vince was Vince. He was like, I really want you to kiss her. I really want you to kiss her. Kurt was really nervous about this. He didn't want to upset Vince, nor did he want to have to redo the scene multiple times. He wanted to do it, do it well, and get it done. So he made the executive decision to not use tongue and just kiss Steph on the mouth. Long, a long, very dry kiss on the mouth. At the end of the scene, Steph, Steph, <laughs> there's a bit they cut before it happens. But Steph looks at Kurt and says, "You kiss like a fish." <laughs> it wasn't left in the thing. Um, Vince was furious <laughs> apparently because it was obvious to Vince that, and after the comment that Steph had made, like Vince was really annoyed with Kurt for not, I don't know what for not committing to the bit. We're not sure, <laughs> but. You kiss like a fish was the report from Stephanie McMahon moments later. Wrestling. <laughs> Wrestling! <laughs> I want you to really kiss my daughter. 
Hi, I'm Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> Do it 400 times. Again. <laughs> Less like a fish, Kurt, if possible. I'll show you what I mean. <laughs> no! <laughs> Vince does have a history of showing you what he means by a certain thing. It, remember he jumped off the stage, off the balcony at WrestleMania last year? To show crunk, to show, to show crunk. <laughs> yeah, to yeah, show yeah. Crunk, not crunk. That's right. Crunk. Little John is here. <laughs> the unbaggable crunk. Um, yeah, I'm surprised Vince didn't throw himself into that and say, "This is how you kiss my daughter," but he didn't. Thank you. Oh, so that's fine. So, and that's how we close our SmackDown with uh, a wet fish. In Kurt Angle, giving uh, Steph a bit of a kiss. Dun, dun, dun. I remember watching this being like, oh, Triple H is going to be livid. Like, that was a good sell for the pay-per-view for me. Because I was thinking, yeah. oh, Triple H is going to pop his head off and, and and garrot him. Like, I was really up for SummerSlam now if it wasn't before. I was sold on this. Yeah, no, I'm loving the drama. Mm. I've been seeing what's happening with this or where it's going to go. This is the male soap opera. They bigged up so much around this time period and afterwards and go, this is it. Yeah, the matches are good and nice and everything, but they are secondary to the storytelling. And then I watch Raw nowadays. And yeah, actually, SmackDown has the Roman Reigns stuff, which I love because it's very similar to this. It's the most similar thing to this level of storytelling we get. Every week something's going to happen. Is Jey Uso going to turn on him? Is Daniel Bryan going to get his shot? Is Edge going to finally be a dickhead? And all these other questions. And you can only find out by watching these things. And it's so cool watching these with you, Tom. And it's so nice that people listen mm. to us, even though we have moved to Friday. Saturday. To Saturday. <laughs> Smackdown in real life is on for fucking... Lugs, Venus, games, test. <laughs> My thinking is if, the, if Smart, Smackdown in the modern era doesn't cut it for you, you can jump back 21 years and watch this with us. What do you um? What do you remember from this week's episode? The kiss. Yeah, the kiss is the big one, isn't it? Mm. The big kiss. If you're saying the kiss, I think that's a good one. I'm gonna say. Uh, I'll tell you what I remembered from this, which was, "Hey, Lawler, watch this." Taz smashing the glass into Jr's face. That's quite a memorable moment. Mm. Well done. Well, uh, you know, well put together. What did you forget from this week? Good question. I had forgotten about. The XFL franchises. <laughs> I'd forgot about the Chris Ben, Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, Doctor Seuss stuff, and I think history is is very keen for us to forget anything involving one of those characters. That's right, Doctor Seuss. Um, hmm. And yeah, I I enjoyed it. It was still funny, um, but I think Michael Cole yucking it up during the commentary. <laughs> Was, uh, was was made it quite a tedious rewatch, But I forgot all about it, and it was interesting to see MS paint work again, as you say, Matthew. But yeah, it, and Carl going, oh, that's, that's really cool, actually. Oh. That's creative. How, how have they done that? <laughs> how did Benoit become a donkey for such a short period of time? Yeah. <laughs> Next week, we are watching SummerSlam 2000. Matthew Gregg and I myself are providing an alternative commentary track so you can watch it along with us. It'll be at the same time on our brand new day, definitely Saturday, here on the Cultaholic <laughs> podcast feed. From Monday, 
It's full steam ahead at Cultaholic on the YouTube channel, on the podcast feed, and at Cultaholic.com. We are your prime destination for everything breaking in and around WrestleMania. And if you need a little island from all the nonsense that is the grandest granddaddy of them all next weekend, you will have one in the form of three hours with Matthew, Greg, and myself watching SummerSlam 2000. With who, I say? Who? Who? Did you hear an owl? I say, with him, who is at Matthew Gregg on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. <gasps> Release the clump cut. <laughs> you you waited till the very end of the podcast to say that. I wrote it in my notes. <laughs> Love you, bye. That is long-term storytelling, that is. Oh, well done, mate. <laughs>